Uh, to kind of get our minds transitioning into what we're going to talk about for the rest of our more time together this morning, um, I want to ask someone to tell me, what is your favorite Christmas song? Now, when I say that, hang on. Not your favorite, like, biblical Christian song, Christmas song. So what I mean is, like, um, like, Away in a Manger is more of a Christian Christmas carol, kind of a traditional Christmas carol. But we all have our favorite Christmas songs that aren't necessarily... Christian in content, okay? Just a good Christmas song. So somebody tell me one of your favorite top, top time, top 10 Christmas songs. Okay, White Christmas. What? Feliz Navidad. Okay, that came on the radio the other day. My boys have been singing it for like ever. I'm like done with the Navidad. Okay, let's just move on. Okay, someone else real quick. All I want for Christmas is you? Okay. What else? What? A marshmallow world. Does anyone know a marshmallow world? Raise your hand. I'm not going to say the average age of hands going up. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. Oh, you raise your Oh, you know that song. Oh, you have one. Okay. What else? You know, there's some grandmas and grandpas in the audience today. You know that, right? I want a hippopotamus for Christmas, okay? Mine would probably be, it's kind of a tie. There's a couple. I love the old sleigh ride song. That's just awesome Christmas to me. But I also love the old original Grinch song. Uh, That is just an amazing, whenever I hear that, I think of Christmas. Um, And so we have a lot of favorite Christmas songs. Some of us enjoy them because we remember listening to them at certain times when we were growing up, decorating the tree, okay? I don't know what it is. You can't decorate for Christmas without listening to Christmas music. It's just you have to do it. Well, how about your favorite kind of Christian, biblical, kind of a more church Christmas carol song? Someone give me one of your favorite ones of those. Oh, Holy Night. Mary, did you know? That's a good one. Emmanuel. Amen. Awesome. Anyone else? What's that? You've got the most eclectic song taste ever. Like, we're going to hang out after service because you're awesome. I just want to know more about her song taste. Anyone else? Away in the Manger. That's awesome. Okay, Mary, did you know another one of those? Absolutely. There are so many great Christmas songs, not just in the culture, but also in church. Uh, One of my favorites is, O Come All Ye Faithful. Uh, And I love that song because it talks about the idea of adoring him, of coming before him. Hark the Herald Angels Sing is another great one that I really enjoy. Uh, We had the chance Friday night, some of us from the church went out Christmas caroling. And uh, it was awesome to go sing to some people. Uh, Went to some different homes. uh, Went over to Maple Vista and Emily City there and sang to some people there. Uh, Just a great, great time. And it was amazing because I can't sing real well, not really good at all. Uh, Many of you know this, have heard this. My wife endures this often. Um, But it was so fun to just go out and just have fun singing carols. And it didn't matter what we sounded like. Now, I think everyone else sounded great. Um, I just tried to blend into the crowd. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of get amongst their voices, sing just a little lower than them. But as we look this morning, I want to look at the first Christmas song. And if you look at chapter of Luke chapter 1, Uh, We're going to see in Luke 1, the very first Christmas song. Look at verse 46. And we really won't be long. 
Uh, we're going to move through some content fairly quick this morning, and so I do encourage, or I am encouraged by you being here today, and I pray that the message is a blessing to you as you think about this idea of the first Christmas song. Luke chapter 1 and verse 46, and Mary said, my soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath opened his, his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever, and Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. In Luke chapters 1 and 2, there are actually considered five Christmas songs or Christmas praises that are given before and after the birth of Christ. And to be honest, nothing gets us more in the Christmas spirit than the music of the season. Music is an amazing way of sharing the deep emotions in an impactful way. I've seen a quote many times that says, where words fail, music speaks. Where words fail, music speaks. And so we've talked about your favorite Christmas song that someone else has wrote. We've talked about Christmas carols that we've sang growing up in church or maybe at caroling or things like that. But my question to you, in addition to that this morning is, if you wrote a Christmas song this morning, if you wrote the depths of your heart this Christmas season, if you shared what you're feeling and what you're going through in song, what would your Christmas song sound like? What would your Christmas song be? What would be the content of that song? Would it be a song of praise or would it be a song of sadness? Would it be a song of just a celebration as you're joyful in what Christ has done? Or are you going through something this Christmas season? And if you were honest and you poured out your heart and you laid it out on paper, the song would be one that would be sorrowful. What would your Christmas song be? See, here we read the first Christmas song and we read it from the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, the earthly mother who's going to give birth to Messiah. And I want to explore Mary's song this morning and see if we can connect anything to our own songs that we might sing. Or maybe through this, understanding what she has for us, our song maybe will change this morning. Take on new life or a new meaning. The first thing we have to understand is that Mary, in her song, responds to what God is doing. She responds to what God is doing. Mary was full of joy, which led to praise. I know that we sometimes struggle in things, but isn't it amazing to watch these kids just enjoy Christ this morning? Just enjoy the birth of Christ. I, you know, I've said it all the time, and I'll say it probably every Christmas until she's a teenager. Bella Channel steals the show every year. <laughs> and I don't know if there's any coaching from David on the dance moves, but she was, she was over here when they were over here, and she was going, but she didn't care. She's like, hey, I'm doing my thing. You can follow me or you can get out of the way. It doesn't really matter. I'm doing my thing. And as you think about the joy that we can have as we sing these songs, 
I want to invite you out next week. We're going to have our normal type of service. Uh, We're not really going to do a lot of extra music next Sunday. I know it's the Sunday before Christmas, but Christmas Eve service, 6 o'clock. We're going to do a lot of music, a lot of singing, specials. Uh, You don't want to miss it. And I know that Christmas Eve is busy for a lot of us. We have family things and such. Uh, We start at 6 o'clock. And we are done by 7. We like to get about 45, 50 minutes and then be done because we don't want to take up a lot of family time. And so maybe this year, maybe you would make our Christmas Eve service a part of your family tradition. Uh, Maybe you would come. And listen, by the way, if you have kids that are coming with you, obviously little ones, um, feel free. They can wear pajamas. No one's going to care. We would love for you to be a part of our Christmas Eve service. And one of the things I love about our Christmas Eve service is the singing we get to do. The joy, the celebration, and that's what Mary is singing here. Mary was full of joy, which led to praise. The fullness of the Spirit, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, you can take notes. Uh, I tell our church all the time that 95% of people who take notes in church go to heaven, and so you probably want to take some notes this morning. Any visitors, that's a joke. Um, I'm not encouraging works unto salvation Um, there's only one way to salvation that's in Jesus Christ, but we encourage you to take notes. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verses 18 and 19 encourages us that a fullness of the Spirit will result in singing joyfully and singing praise to God. Also, a fullness of the Word of God. Colossians chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 should lead us to joyful exaltation of God. But here's the key. As we're singing praise to him and we're exalting him, we have to identify with what Mary identified with. Mary was focused on magnifying God. That was the key in her song. Not magnifying herself, but magnifying God. Here we also see a great desire to not only magnify the Lord and what he was doing, but to magnify God in her life. In this simple song of 10 verses, She uses the phrase, he has, or he hath, eight times. Think about that. Eight times in 10 verses, Mary says, he has, he has, he has, he has. Think about her heart and her mind is focused on what God is doing. But see, Mary wasn't always full or only full of joy. She was also full of God's word. To sing joyfully in a praise to the Lord, we need to be full of his spirit But we also learned from Colossians, we need to be full of his word. Why is that important? Because I can't accurately worship the God of this word without knowing the word. But when I know the word of God and it's part of my everyday life, it'll flow out of me in praise and worship. And it doesn't matter the style of song. I know in churches today we have titles and labels on our song, traditional, praise and worship, all these things. But when you sing with your heart to the Lord, it can be a 200-year-old hymn with no instrumentation, or it can be a praise song that was written 20 minutes ago. If it's about Jesus and it's exalting him, it's worth singing. We get too hung up on these titles and these labels. The focus of Mary's song was about exalting Christ, and she could do that because she knew him personally, but also she knew his word Her song contained Old Testament quotations as well as references from the book of Psalms and Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. In just 10 verses, Mary actually quotes and references and refers back to Old Testament scripture with the Psalms and Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel. Hannah is the mother of the prophet Samuel. 
And the mother of Samuel, when she was praying aloud to the point where the priest said, hey, you need to quiet down. She was so desiring a son, she cried to God and said, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. She was dedicating him as soon as he was born. And so maybe Mary, as she's dwelling on all these things, as she's heard Elizabeth's encouragement, and she's thinking about who Jesus will be, she's thinking about not only praising God, but remembering Hannah's prayer that she learned most likely when she was a child. And she desired, God, when my child is born, I will, like Hannah, surrender him to you. He is yours. You see, her song was a song of praise because she was full of the Spirit, but also a song of God's Word. The Word of God is the most amazing and powerful book we have available to us today. This book is unlike any other book you will ever pick up. It is the only thing that God says is living and active. You might say, how can a book of just words on a page be living? Then you've never really read it. Because I'm telling you, when you get along with this book, or even right now corporately, as we read these words, God's Spirit will begin to speak to us. There's nothing mystical or weird or magical about that. It's God trying to communicate with His people through His Word. And it's not an audible voice that He speaks to us with. It's that still, small voice in our hearts and in our minds that He begins to encourage us in the things of God. And listen, for thousands of years, people have tried to attack this book. If you watch the History Channel or if you're on YouTube, you'll see all kinds of guys in their basements with no credentials attacking the Bible. But I'll tell you what, this book still stands true today. And if you want to talk about the archaeological or the literary aspects of this book and the accuracy that it brings and validates the truth of these scriptures, specifically the New Testament where we have over 5,000 manuscripts, 5,000 manuscripts of the New Testament, if you want to have that discussion, I would love to talk to you more about that. If you have any doubt or questions about the Word of God, let's have a conversation. No one is here to beat you up or to intimidate you. We want to have a conversation about this book. And so if you are doubting the Word of God or you're not sure about it, please talk to someone. Let's have a conversation about what this book actually says about who Christ is. You see, Mary was consumed with the Word of God, and that led to a song of praise. As Mary is singing for what God has done, she also talks about what God is going to do and is doing for Mary. Not just what he has done, but what he is doing and going to do for Mary and for others. I want to break this down just real quick. And again, if you're taking notes, jot some things down. The first thing we see here, what God did for Mary, the first thing we see in verse 47 is that he saved her. He saved her. Look again at verse 47 of the song that Mary sings. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. This is a great testimony of Mary's relationship with God. She says God is her Savior. This means that Mary was like you and I, born a sinner in need of forgiveness. She was born a sinner, just as all of us are, and she needed forgiveness, and she found that in the Lord. God was merciful to her. Why was God merciful to Mary? It's no different than why he's merciful to you and I today, because he is gracious. We do not earn his forgiveness. You can go to church. You can do good works. You can walk old people across the street. You can do all these things. You can give to the poor. You can give to the needy. You can be a good moral person. Follow all the laws of the land. Do all these good things. And you will stand before God if you do not know Jesus Christ guilty of sin. The Bible says that our good works are filthy rags before a holy and just God. I cannot earn my way to him. 
There is only one way into God's heaven. It is through Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. And you might be sitting there thinking, man, that's really arrogant of God. That's really weird that God would be so restrictive. Like, I mean, why wouldn't God just let us come in however we want? Because it's his heaven. He gets to decide how you get there. You're his creation. He is the authority. We can't go to God and say, but I did, but I didn't. God's going to say, I never knew you. See, that's what this book teaches. That's why Jesus came and was born of a virgin 2,000 years ago, so that he could grow, die on a cross, be buried, and rise again, and we could put our faith and our trust in him, repenting of our sins, and be forgiven, and call him our Savior, as Mary did. Mary said, he is my Savior. You see, God has not changed even today. Right now, God's love for you is real. God's love for you is true. Maybe you don't feel loved. Maybe you think all the things you've done in your life, you know what, God just can't forgive me because of this or that. Or he doesn't know I did this. He knows. And he can forgive you of any and all sin. But God does not force his love on you. God is patiently waiting and showing and engaging right now. You might say, well, God's never shown himself to me. He's showing himself to you right now. He's saying, this is the opportunity I'm giving you. Will you trust me? Will you repent of your sins and trust in Christ, receiving the love of God? John 3.16, one of the most popular verses in our culture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, not in self, not in religion, not in good works, not in this religion or that religion, Jesus said, if you believe in me, then you will not perish. You'll have everlasting life. See, again, Jesus can't be both the son of God and a liar. If Jesus was lying in that passage, or when he says, there's no way to the father but by me, he was either insane, he really thought he was the son of God and was just mentally impaired and didn't understand he really wasn't, he was nuts. He was a liar, which wouldn't make him a good teacher or a good prophet, so the other religions that call him that, they're off. Or maybe he was actually who he said he was. He really was the son of God. You see, to Mary, God was more than just her God. He was her savior. Also in Luke 148, we find out that he was mindful of her. What was God doing for Mary? He saved her and he was mindful of her. Look at verse 48. And I pray that this speaks to someone here today because I think we need to be reminded of this. He says, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden, For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. You see, he was not only saving her, but he was mindful of her. This is one of the most shocking things to Mary, that God would be to regard her in her lowest state. The word regard means, in the original language, to turn the eyes upon, to look upon, to gaze upon. Think about that for a moment. Mary is a teenage girl, most likely, born in a low kind of a system in a family. The area she lived in was not very liked or accepted among other groups, other tribes in Israel. And she's a teenage girl, and she realizes that God has chosen her to bring his Messiah into the world. And she says, how in the world would that God ever look and gaze upon me? Who am I? Who am I that God would take time to look at me? But can I tell you something this morning? He is watching you right now. His eyes are upon you. He's gazing upon you. He's seeing you where you are. And I know we don't always feel like that. 
I know we don't always feel like God is aware, that feel like God knows what's going on in our lives. We feel overwhelmed. Let me tell you and encourage you from the word of God. We said it a few weeks ago. We must let truth rule over emotion. Truth over emotion. You may feel like God doesn't see what's going on, but I promise you from his word, he knows and he cares. He sees it. And he didn't make that happen to you. But in that situation you find yourself in, if you will turn to him, he can use that for your blessing and his glory. And I don't know how God does all that, but I trust his word that he will. You've seen that in your own life. And Mary was aware that God was mindful of her. Mary identifies herself as the Lord's handmaiden, which means in the literal language, servants. Now listen, it's not that Mary had a low self-esteem It's not that Mary beat herself up and didn't think highly of herself. She actually saw herself in an appropriate identity in relation to the God of all creation. Mary wasn't, oh, I'm just a nobody, I'm no good. No, she said, in relation to who he is, I know who I am. And I am his servant because he is greater. The Apostle Paul says it well in the New Testament later on. He says, let no one think too highly of themselves or too lowly of themselves, but think as you ought to think. And how do we do that? We think of ourselves as God sees us. If you're in Christ today, you are a saint. You are a child of God. It always amazes me that God is aware of what's going on in my life. He's aware of me and my thoughts, my hurts and my emotions. But lastly, And again, not exhaustively, but we see what else God was doing for Mary. He wasn't just aware of what she was going through. He was mighty for her. Look at verses 49 and 50. Verses 49 and 50. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Mary didn't just sing of what God had done but also on what God was doing and going to do in future generations. It is because she was yielded and surrendered to God in her life. It was because of that fact alone that God was able to do so much and so many amazing things in her life. If you are feeling like your tank is on E, I'm just going to ask, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but let's be, I know it's church and we try to, listen, I mean, we have a tendency to come into church and just put on the fake, you know, put on the show, put on the smile, Everything's good. I'm in church. I'm supposed to be happy. I'm not supposed to let anyone know that there's actually stuff going on in my life. But listen, you might be sitting there and you're on empty right now. You are running on fumes. I mean, it's the kind of empty where when you take the gas cap off, it sucks the cap out of your hand back on the tank. I don't know if you've ever been that low. When I was in college, I got there a few times, okay? Where you're coasting up to the gas pump, okay? Been there. You're praying that $20 or that $15 will get you for like six months. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes we get on empty and we think if we just have more stuff, that'll do it. That'll fill me up. If I just have that relationship, if I can just make this person love me, if I can just have this, if I could just be with my kids, if I could just have this hobby and, and go have downtime, then I'll be filled up. Let me encourage you with something. Those things help, but they're just moments. They're just temporal. You want to be filled up? Spend time with your Savior. You want to be filled up? Spend time in his word. Spend time in prayer. I mean, what else could you do that's more powerful than praying to the God of all creation to intervene in your situation? What more could you really do in your own hands? You want to be filled up and surrender to him, be yielded to him, and watch him fill you. 
And again, I can't explain how it all works, but his word says that when we will come humbly before him, he will fill us. We see the praises of Mary for God's grace to save her, his desire to know her, and his power in and through her life. In the second stanza of her song, Mary expresses that all people from every generation, even until now, are blessed with God's mercy. Then she listed three specific groups of people that have or will have received his mercy. The helpless, the humble, and the hungry. So I ask us to consider what our Christmas song would be at the beginning of the service, the beginning of the message. If we're honest this morning, the truth is some of us are struggling and hurting and maybe you think your song isn't even worth singing. Who would listen? Who would want to hear that? Let me tell you something. You have a God in heaven who sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he loves you so much that he wants to hear your song today. He wants to hear you this morning. And so here's what we're going to do. In just a couple of minutes, it's not going to be a long invitation or anything like that. But I just want to give you a chance to respond. We're not going to necessarily come forward. We don't have any music But here's what I want to do Uh, with the crowd the way it is. I want to just take some time in just a moment to just spend some time reflecting in prayer. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, listen, thank you for being here today. Thank you for coming. It is a blessing to have you, and we know your time is valuable. There's so many other things you could be doing right now, and you chose to spend your morning with us. Thank you for the family that you came to see or the friends you came to support on behalf of them. Thank you for coming. It made a difference to them. It it encouraged them. But I can tell you, if they attend this church and they invited you to come, they wanted you to come and enjoy a great musical, and I think we got to do that this morning. But I think if, if they're being honest, their real prayer for having you here today is that you would know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. See, if you know him as your Savior, then you know what I'm talking about. But if you don't, would you just take some time this morning and just ask God, God, I mean, I don't know if all this stuff is true. But I know I need something. I know I'm on empty. And the stuff isn't doing it. The money's not doing it. The job's not doing it. The career's, I'm just not empty. And I just, I just need you. Maybe on the other side of the spectrum, and everything's good. You don't know Christ as your Savior, but your bills are paid, and you got money in the account, and you got all your wants met. Then would you realize, maybe for a moment, that God is blessing you with those things to draw you to himself, to to draw you into relationship? And so whether you're here and you don't know Christ and you need to receive him this morning, or maybe here and you know Christ, and your song is one of just struggling right now, maybe you take a moment and just in your prayer to him, Maybe you would just express that song to him. Maybe you'd ask God to open your heart and to change your heart, to see things differently. I'm telling you this morning, it was true 2,000 years ago when Mary sang it. It's true today. God's grace is available to you today. His mercy is available to you today. Will you turn from your sin? Trust in him. If you're here and you know Christ, maybe you would come in just a moment in prayer and just praise him for his grace and his love and his mercy And thank him for all that he is doing and has done in your life. Would you bow in a word of prayer with me? Again, we won't be very long, but I'm asked that everyone would just bow their heads and spend time in prayer this morning. Right there where you are with your heads bowed, just begin to speak to the Lord. If you know Christ, maybe you would say, Lord, thank you for these blessings. Thank you for family. 
Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for coming over 2,000 years ago and giving yourself for me. May I sing a song of praise to you today. Even though there are times that I want to sing different songs, may I remember that no matter how bad it gets, if I know Christ, I have all that I need. Maybe you would ask God, give me a new focus, a new perspective on that. But as you pray there where you are, and I, I know I keep going back to this, but it really means, it means eternity is hanging in the balance. And if you're sitting in that chair right now and you don't know Christ, don't believe the lie that you can just put it off. Don't believe the lie that you're okay. Don't believe the lie that going to church will fix it. Don't believe the lie that, well, I'm too far gone. How could God ever save me? Those are all lies. The truth is that God loves you so much, he sent his son to die on a cross for you. And it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so maybe right there where you are, you would just there in your seat, cry out to God in your heart and say, God, I know that I've sinned, but I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I repent of the things that I've done. I repent of my sins. I trust in you as Savior. I ask that you'd forgive me and that I would surrender my life to you. Help me to follow you from this day forward. If you're there in your seats and you're thinking it can't be that easy, it really is if it's the cry of your hearts. If you just prayed that prayer to pray that prayer, it's just words to you, then it didn't do anything for you. But if your heart was in unison with that prayer and it's a belief and a desire of your hearts to trust Christ, then he has saved you. Father, we pray that you would be glorified in all that is said and done this morning. We thank you for the musical but Lord, more than that, we thank you for your, your word. We thank you that you came over 2,000 years ago. And I pray that we would be encouraged and excited for what you have for us. Thank you for Mary's song where she joyfully praised you and lifted you up. Lord, again, may you be glorified in all that is said and done. And if there's anyone here that needs to know you as Savior, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would work in their hearts and minds. It's not an emotional decision. It's a conscious decision that we make. And so, Father, help us to believe truth this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look this way just for a moment, we do have a little something extra. So uh, we don't normally do this on Musical Sunday, but we have a family uh, that would like to join our church this morning. So I'm going to have those guys go ahead and come um, wherever they are. David and Christine. Heather, come on down here, guys. And so... uh, the Wise family has been a part of our church for uh, a couple years now and uh, come this morning to join North Goodland Baptist Church. And, and uh, I got a message last night that said, I know it's a busy morning. I know it's the musical, but we really, really, really want to join. Can we do that tomorrow? And I said, no, that's ridiculous. Of course I said yes. <laughs> and uh, so David and Christine um, have uh, both been saved 
and follow the Lord in Believer's Baptism. They've both also taken and completed our membership class, and they are coming for membership. Heather Wise is coming as well, saved and baptized, as well as completed the membership class. And so here at North Goodland, we receive members by our members voting on that. And so if you are not a member, please just give us a couple of minutes. If you are a member, uh, this is for you. And so I do need a motion from a member, Vic Amador. And we're going to say for the whole family, okay? We're just going to say for David, Christine, and for Heather, I need a second. Okay, Dave Barry over here. All of our members in favor of receiving them into membership, say aye. Aye. Any opposed? All right. I didn't think there would be any. Let me come down there and shake your hands, guys. Thank you so much for coming and being a part of our church family. Amen. Bless you. Good seeing you. Absolutely. Thanks. We're going to have you guys go right back by that back door there and line up today. Awesome. As you go out today, please, if you're a member of the church, give them the right hand of fellowship. Let them know you're excited to have them as part of our North Goodland family. And if you're here again visiting, please, if you have any questions about our church or our ministry, let us know. We'd love to answer any questions you have. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on the website, northgoodland.org. Or you can find our church app in your app store, North Goodland, B.C. Uh, All that information should be in your bulletin. And so thank you so much for being here today. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll let you be dismissed. Father, we thank you for this morning. We pray, Father, that you just give us a great day today. I pray that we would enjoy your presence, enjoy your grace, and enjoy your love. Thank you for every person that is seated here today, Lord. I know you have a plan and a purpose for them, and I pray you'd encourage them today. Help us to walk in your love, and thank you for these kids and these adults that did a great job this morning. Pray you'd bless them in a mighty way. We love you, Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. You are dismissed. We'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock.